So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i'm professor robert eg black and i'm here with niall mcgowan from bat minute here to discuss groundhog day again still <laughs> always welcome yeah. strike up the music <laughs> the band has begun so. <laughs> that's like that song it's like I think that of anything drove Phil Connors insane beyond the the time. The pencil just be poker. that poker every day. <laughs> that's a big mess. Why he mastered the piano is like I have to. I have to hear other music yeah. beyond poker. I just have to get away from it as much as I can. But yeah, thanks for having me, Robert. Although this this one, I'm a bit intimidated by because I know like this is like talking to a guy who just knows everything about Groundhog Day. <laughs> Any note I bring is just like he's he's you know. He's been there. <laughs> like he, he knows what this is. I still notice new things doing my notes. So it's actually crazy how many new things can be found in a movie if you watch it enough. Yeah. There really shouldn't be. There should be a limit. Mm. Is your presentation more of a like it's a literal you're literally translating notes from your blog or is this like no this is a companion piece if you want more. It's becoming more of a companion piece. Originally I figured I'd just like recompile parts of blog entries and put them in. And I still quote them occasionally so far. I mean, mm. it's only a minute 11, but <laughs> mostly I don't need to mm. like basic stuff. I know. And then if something new is there, I'd rather talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, of course, <laughs> you've seen this, like what, what's the running total currently of how many viewings are you on? Somewhere above 450. I don't know the exact number oh. because I don't know how often I watched it between 93 and 2013 god damn that is like I, i'm kind of like a, i'm at a crossroads of that's impressive or that's just insane it's both <laughs> yeah. insanity can be impressive you do it right yeah. just like these shows how many episodes of batman have you done that's insane too yeah yeah that is always a thing it's the times too i actually think about it and like oh we talked about those movies for like is it 200 episodes? Like, no, it's, it's probably like five. It's closer to 500 episodes. <laughs> You're like, holy crap. And your episodes are a lot longer than mine on average. Yeah. Yeah. You two are talkers. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is our blessing. That is our curse. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm recording at one today. She's like, when will you be done? I'm like, I don't know. It's Nile. <laughs> it could be a day. Although X Machina was the one I had the fewest notes. Oh, on. okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the good thing is with you is like, it's interesting stuff you have to say. You just take a lot of words to say it and that's okay. It's not like you're yeah. going to just ramble and I have to edit it all out. <laughs> that would that's suck. Just the university student in me still <laughs> just like, gotcha. You gotta, you gotta meet those word counts. So, just ramble. From now on, on, each episode is 1000 words. <laughs> each guest gets a thousand. So I think Groundhog Day is a good film. <laughs> Don't say a movie. Don't say Groundhog Day. It's in the title. Skip that. Oh, yeah. I think the film <laughs> is good. 
There you go. We cut it way down. I go cut that sentence in half right there. And that's what I should be doing for this show is each minute needs to be just me doing the same description until I get it right. <laughs> like, how do you perfectly describe minute 11? So not to skip too far into the minute, though, because we do have like a nice little bit of um, fill at the beginning here. Mm-hmm. But like I noticed because you sent on. I think not, I don't want to mess up your structure because uh, you sent on the time loop of the week. You're the thing you're going to talk about. Yeah, I can talk about that first. Uh, well, if you want, because it was more like because this is the first minute where we see. I don't know if it was officially just called like old man in the credits, but I got to yeah. call him pops. Like it's, just, uh, it's what Bill calls him. And in the script, he is old Jensen, mm. also old man. Occasionally it's inconsistent. And in the original script, he doesn't have a name. And in one of the versions of the script, I could not find it. There was a typo where it suggests it said like, oh, really? And I always called him O'Reilly in my blog. <laughs> oh, really? Like, I just, that's All what right. I named him. I, I had to name <laughs> characters that didn't have names. It made it easier to talk about them. Yeah. So I just always think of Pops. Yeah. And this makes me think of Pops Freshenmeyer, which is like a Simpsons deep cut <laughs> joke. As well, I'm trying to identify who could have impersonated Pop and Fresh, like all oh, either Pops Fresh and Meyer or Homer Simpson. Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit just for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Ever think about it, we must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone, lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. You couldn't plan a day like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. The last revision is what counts, apparently. What if we found them all? All the perfect things in this one town, in this one day, we could collect them. That was unpleasant for all concerned. Anyway, back to the checks. Stop everything! I don't remember writing a check for bowling. Hmm. The memo says to my pal, Pop and Fresh. Oh, yes, that greedy, grasping glob of chemicals. Probably one of your ether-induced hallucinations, sir. I'll check the employee files to see who could pull off such an impersonation. Mm, now, it was either Pops Freshenmeyer or Homer Simpson. Simpson, eh? Let's shut down this bowling scam right now. That short movie you brought up, like I don't, does that have an official? I thought it was uh, Exit Strategy. Yeah. I think it was called. Exit was Strategy. Because I was excited to see when you sent it on. It was like an uh, Omeletto. Because like, oh, I'm subscribed to Omeletto as well. But they don't give you the title. The title comes at the end because there's like one with Milana Vintrube where she's like, it's during Passover and her vibrator is going, but she can't. It's like a Jew- Jewish tradition to not handle electronics or something. Or... Oh, so she can't go turn it off. Yeah, so she has to like <laughs> run down the street and find a guy. To come back to her house to turn off her vibrator before uh, her parents and the whole family knows what's happening and stuff. I can't remember what the movie's called because it's literally it's like described like Amaletto, a young woman is in crisis or something like that. Yeah, their their YouTube titles are weird. It's their station name, a description, and then the title of the film at the end of the description, which means you don't initially see the title of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so 
I, I took it to be because this is the first minute of Pops, mm-hmm. uh, Pops Freshemeyer, that you chose that movie deliberately because it kind of ties into what Phil ultimately learns from that character. Yeah. You can't, as the guy says at the end, you can't exit the maze. Yeah. That's what he says in Exit Strategy is no matter what he does. Well, I'll tell the listeners. Exit Strategy is about a guy in a time loop that is insisting that his brother, who's a firefighter, go out to help him stop a fire. That's it. Yeah. But he knows everything that's going to happen. He knows what route they have to take. He knows how to get the guy who's blocking the road to get out of the way. And all it ends up being, he's essentially trying to keep his brother from dying, fighting a fire. Mm. And every time he does it, eventually he ends up dying anyway. Yeah. We see one iteration of this loop basically mm. for most of the film. And then I think it kind of ends on the note of like, just try to appreciate people while they're there. Yeah. At the end, he's just like, you want to hang out and have breakfast. Yeah. And they're just going to sit there and talk because he realizes he can't save him. Yeah. And of course, one of the lessons that kind of begins to Phil's humbling, I guess, because he has, he goes through a period of like, I'm a mortal. I'm a God basically. Yeah. And then his constant attempts to like, I have to prevent death mm-hmm. you know, of, of this guy. Yeah. Not today. It's like, I, yeah, just and to find out, no, it's always going to happen. You can't do that. Like, that's then you start realizing, no, but you know, it, it starts to shift him towards more being like, just make other people who are going to live lives better rather than focusing all your attention on trying to prevent the death, like the inevitable death of this one dude. One of the deleted scenes from this that I put on YouTube is what he does about the old man on the last day. Oh. Is he leaves a poem there for the paramedics to find oh <laughs> and so he knows the old man's gonna die no matter what i do yeah but he can add something to the experience of the people who find the body mm. and it's a nice little scene but i think it would have put a downer at the wrong moment in the movie because then we realize that while he's at this party the old man's out there dying yeah <laughs> and that's not good yeah it's like could you not at least like pop out just to be with him while he goes or something it's like no, no, no now listeners i hope you remember every time you watch this movie that that's what's happening though <laughs> when he's at the party the old man is dying in an alley alone mm. it's rough but yeah that's one of those things though about life is like you can't stop these things though Every party you've ever went to, there's probably been someone out there dying alone in an alley. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can't stop everyone from dying. Yeah. You can't stop anyone from dying, really. No. Maybe temporarily. I do love that the actor's name of the old man is Les Podwell. Because yeah. it's like, it's, things don't bode well for him. <laughs> <laughs> don't bode well for Podwell. <laughs> Never looked him up before, but it's like, oh, he's in Meet the Applegates. Hmm. I was like, oh my God, that's that's a movie. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've ever had to talk about Meet the Applegates no. on the blog. Because that's, if people don't know, it's a movie starring Ed Begley Jr. Uh, directed by Michael Lehman, who made the, of course, the classic Heathers uh-huh. and has sort of struggled to meet that bar ever since. Like, always makes interesting movies, but they've always been like, that ain't Heathers, man. Much <laughs> like Dan, we had to talk about Dan Waters for a whole season of Batman Returns. The guy wrote Heathers and his career since then has been like, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you're never reaching that no. bar again. Even like Batman Returns, his original draft is awful. The bare bones of the story he provided, which is great, but like the actual dialogue is terrible. It had to be Wesley Schrick came in and revised it. And it's like, thank God he did that because it would have been unbearable. Had it been the Dan Waters draft as written. If people don't know, meet the Applegates. It's about giant bugs from the rainforest who dressed up as a human family a la third rock from the sun and just go undercover as like a kind of ideal nuclear family in suburbia so that ed begley jr as the patriarch of the family 
can get a job in like a nuclear testing site or like a nuclear power plant and blow up the plant so it will eradicate humanity and the bugs will be left alone. And that's an odd pitch. Yeah. And it's a weird, weird movie. I think I saw that movie once when it came out. Oh, God. And I haven't seen it since. You're describing it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Wow. I forgot how bizarre that is. Oh, there's like this demented, weird sex scenes where like the daughter's eyes literally bug out <laughs> because she's a giant bug. I got good news for you, Robert. It's all on YouTube in one chunk for free. So if anyone's out there is dying to watch Meet the Applegates, be warned. It's gross. Like it's a it's a gross movie because it's about giant bugs. And it's a lot of goop. But yeah, uh, Pop Spreschemeyer, O'Reilly is uh, Les Polwell is in that film. So I was excited to see that. Now, before we get to minute 11, we should finish up with time loop of the week because I realized the thing you offered actually has a similar message. Oh, yeah, that actually is true. Yeah, weirdly enough, there's a, it's almost my beyond Groundhog Day. People talk about time loops. Yeah. The one I instantly think of is from Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. Yeah. I have a massive affection for the Nightmare on Elm Street series, even as bad as some of them get. Oh, yeah. It has horrible uh, problems, but overall, they still work. I think it's because there's always such a great bit of creativity oh, to yeah. them. They have to be. You know, it never gets into like, well, you know, Robert, the Halloween movies, like yeah. when they get into like, oh, Michael just kills someone with an axe or whatever. And that's kind of OK, I guess, you know, that's I guess the six. And you're just like, what is happening anymore? <laughs> but, but Freddy, even in the worst Freddy movies, it's like, no, it's always like, you know, him killing people via the Nintendo Power Glove. Exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah. But it's imaginative. And I think, yeah, Elm Street 4 is like really underrated. I think it was quite, it was very successful. I think it was actually reviewed quite well at the time, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's what it's the one where you start to notice the formula yep. kicking in. Like it's basically a remake of the first movie. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, you know, Freddy comes and there's a fucking bunch of teenagers. Da, 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 da. But yeah, every kill is great. Yep. And one of them is particularly creative and it's interspersed with a time loop yeah. wherein the main characters are rushing to save their friend. Yep. And it has a scene of Alice, the lead running around a corner to, you know, the, the love interest. And then like, we got to go right now, hop in the car, zoom off, cut back to the murder. Yeah. And then it cuts back to Alice and them, but it's her coming around the corner again. And the same scene playing exactly yeah. over and over. And the first time you watch it, particularly in the age of like DVDs and stuff, you're like, did the disc skip? Right. Because it's like, exactly the same. Yeah. I think it's even the same shot the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts getting to a point of like, she runs up to the house to save her friend and then they cut it perfectly to her, like her going in the door and then just coming around the same corner and just showing you the scene over again. Right. And you are kind of like, is there a problem with what I'm, is the, is the file skipping? Like, what, <laughs> you know, when I first saw it, I was like, what is, what? Oh, this must be a mistake or something. But it's a perfect gotcha time loop. Yeah. It's like, no, she, they are now in a time loop wherein Freddy's like trapped them there. Yep. Which is the thing like he never does again. But it's like, if you have the power to do that, to trap your victims and to make them forget that they're in the time loop. There's something similar in Final Nightmare where the town is empty and they just can't really go anywhere. But yeah, it's not as distinct that this is, he just stuck them in this moment repeating. Yeah. Yeah. So that they can't do anything. It's kind of like anytime he's close to defeat, you think like, oh, I can I can put people on a time loop. I can just have them. Not so much that even that they're just stuck in the same loop of time. It's that their memories. Mm-hmm. It takes them a while to realize like we've done this before. Yeah. Whereas like that means that Freddy Krueger not only can come in and can kill you. Apparently he can actually manipulate your mind to the point of like you don't know what's going on and stuff. Right. He can make you forget that he ever even met him. I don't like, it's like now it's get, really getting into like the uh, how how powerful is this dude? <laughs> When he's in dreamland. 
But yeah, I really, really loved that as a type because I just remember how clever it was. And I've just been like, I had low expectations. I, I kind of grew up with the Elm Street movies, but it was like a forbidden mm-hmm. fruit. Yep. Whereas my brother was really into them, but I was told by my parents, don't, you, you're not allowed to watch them. And um, yeah. So I'd always see little uh, snippets here and there. But that was in my teen years by the time I actually got to sit down and watch you know the wall i saw the beginning of the first one at a drive-in mm. and i say beginning because my mother did not approve and we left oh wow as we drive out of the drive-in i'm leaning out the back window watching the movie still in silence because oh, i'm like no i'm into this and i'm a i'm a little kid i shouldn't be watching this yeah. but i was into it as soon as it was on tv i watched that thing yeah yeah all the great movies and this is something about like it's one of those things of I don't know if it wasn't the circumstances I grew up under would I like them as much because it's still just there's almost a weird comfort to watch them. There's like I just I just know those mm. aesthetics so much and I just know that that's I'm, what the Halloween movies are for me. Yeah, yeah. It's like I was watching them before I could remember having watched them. Mm, yeah, I saw part of the second one filmed when I was five, and I was I knew what was happening. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I'd already seen the first one from like the whole thing. I mm. knew these kids. What is this is why I'm a podcaster about movies because I was damaged early. <laughs> well, at least I've got the benefit though. It's like they're not currently defiling Nightmare on Elm Street, but like that Halloween kills. <laughs> like I'm still like maybe, yeah, maybe as, as part of a greater whole when this third one comes, maybe it'll all make sense. But like I don't know. No, man. no. It just feels like a, the the whole, not to get into any too much of a tangent, but like, I enjoyed the first one, like the Halloween. 2018 or whatever it's called i liked parts of that one but overall i thought i i feel like listeners can go find this on michael myers minute i reviewed both 2018 and the new one and my halloween kills one i'm like the title is like these two guys fundamentally misunderstand halloween (laughs) like they're the ones you gave the franchise to and they don't know who michael myers is yeah yeah because they're writing a jason Voorhees film which is okay, but you have to set that one up differently. It's just such a weird thing where it has a kind of slightly snobby vibe of like, we're, di- we're dismissing all those sequels. They were bad. Uh-huh. And then you're treating Michael Myers as if he's the guy who was in those sequels, though, where he was right. this unstoppable killing machine. It's like that first movie, he kills like, what, like three people or something? Like it's a, it's a guy. Like it's, yeah. he is a you know, living embodiment of evil and all that stuff as well. But it's like, I don't know if the town would be this gripped in fear. And then it feels like Halloween kills is just like, they realize that it's like, oh, we have to have him kill like Everybody. 50 people. The town. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it amps the tension. It's like, so you've just basically just remade <laughs> like all those sequels within one movie. Yeah. Because this one is as equally ridiculous as all the rest of those. Like, yeah. You can't erase all the sequels and then reference all the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, because <laughs> that's like a time loop. Exactly. Exactly. Segway. Yeah. Perfect. The tying into what about the meet the Applegates connection in that Nightmare on Elm Street, the kill that it's keeps cutting back to probably one of the best in the whole series, like one of my favorites. They have one of the you know one dimensional teenage characters that, <laughs> that inhabits Elm Daddy, Street. Yeah. Well, what we know about her is that she's she likes she's tough. She likes to work out and she hates bugs. And so, of course, Freddy's way of killing her is that while she's working out, he comes and spots her while she's like lifting weights. Yeah. Holds the weights down. So her arms actually snap back, which he couldn't have done if her form weren't so awful. <laughs> That's why she needed a spotter, I guess. Yeah. But the and then out of her dangling dislocated arms come giant insect arms and she yep. begins to turn into a giant bug runs down a corridor realizes then there's glue on the floor and she's actually in a giant <laughs> roach motel yeah and she falls down and it's really gruesome of her like her, her face is totally covered in glue and stuff 
And she tries to pull off her whole, all her skin comes off and she's just a giant yep. cockroach or a grasshopper or whatever she is. It's just some kind of bug. And you realize like, yeah, she's now become a bug in a roach trap and it just has Freddy holding it and smushes it. And then all this goo comes out and it's pretty gross, <laughs> but it's a great kill. And it's just like, this is why these Elm Street movies are so good. Cause like Jason would never do that. <laughs> you know, even again, even the worst of them. No, he, he might push your weight down. So your arms break, but then he just move on to the next person. Yeah. Yeah. That would be it. Even like the worst of them is like you know potentially is like elm street five and even that's got like the freaking comic book death and stuff it's just like yeah they're they really really push the boat out for those movies so that's why i'm like oh yeah i'm in for all of them but yeah that was my my, my time loop of the week would be that <laughs> the nightmare in elm street for the dream master yeah uh, i just recommend people watch that movie and just, i think you would need to have seen dream warriors the third one to kind of because it does that, that would a, help yeah yeah it does have a direct continuation and to understand a lot of dream wars you would have to have seen the first movie as well but you can skip the second one if you like though yeah yeah oh, the second movie i actually really enjoy the second movie as well like, i like what the second movie was trying but when i watch it in with the this is now nightmare on elm street minute <laughs> when i watch it in context of the other movies the big fundamental flaw with that main character bugs me is that his parents didn't kill freddy yeah <laughs> why does freddy care and it's like freddy wants to be him i'm like why does freddy want to be him he sucks <laughs> it's some weird coming out metaphor which cool put that in a horror film but as a nightmare elm street film i'm just like there's something wrong and mm. i it i don't it does uh, it very much feels like this was a, a script for another horror movie yeah so then when we just like oh you know we can make this they're and, like we need a sequel yeah. but we need something different okay grab this off like the shelf just track and replace every time you've written like the ghoul or whatever and replace it with freddy krueger yeah it's not as bad as like the hellraiser franchise where they literally did that i think multiple times just yeah. grabbed other scripts and put cenobites in there yeah <laughs> I was like, yeah, you go skip the minute 70 and then the Cenobites show up for like a scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of them, it's like really obvious because the main plot is investigating a murder, which has nothing to do with any of it. <laughs> and then just the dead guy had a box. It's like, um, why? Yeah. Like, it'll make money. I'm like, no, it won't. It sucks. <laughs> That's the real thing. So like, you think any of these Hellraiser sequels are making money? I mean, back in the 90s, you'd get away with that. Yeah. I think even after the third one, you're kind of pushing it. Now that you make a new one like that, it's going straight to Shudder and you hope. I mean, people are going to watch it. They're going to go to a convention about it, but they're not going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> all of these are time loops, so it all works. The time loop of the week is essentially horror films. Yeah. Yeah. But I do love because uh, Phil Connors himself is essentially stuck in, and it's kind of like all the all his dialogue, everything in this minute though is just like, oh, the the ironing is delicious, where it's like mm. chances of checkout today one hundred percent. Yeah, and you watch it now, going, eh, I know, nope. <laughs> Phil ain't gonna happen. Well, actually, to be fair to him, will happen eventually, and I guess it still is technically that day, so he is correct. Now he checks out tomorrow. Eventually, he'll check out, but it'll be tomorrow morning. Ah. Well, there you go. After the whole loop is over. Yeah. In the script, of course, he in the third revision, he doesn't say chance of departure 100%. He says, unfortunately, yes, mm. which isn't as good. Is that a bit of a Bill Murray embellishments? Probably they, they wanted something more on the nose. Yeah. yeah. It's it's probably more of a Harold Ramis thing, actually. Mm. He loves humor that is a bit obvious. <laughs> Oh, humor that's obvious. That's the worst. <laughs> and the other thing here is we get out of Cherry Street is we see Ned in the he's in the middle of the street, which I always found hilarious. Mm. But in the script, the first time we meet Ned, 
Phil punches him because the time loop's already underway. Oh, and oh. we had uh, oh, sorry, Danny, but you know this a horribly written voiceover that over explains every bit of it. <laughs> uh, that's a very um, in talking about Ned like in the street, it's a very it reminds me really of um, I know it's not the reference they're going for, but it reminds me of Psycho with Marion Crane's boss crossing the street and that kind of like sudden <laughs> turn into the car, which of course ends in freaking Pulp Fiction as well. <laughs> the Tarantino yeah. does directly reference Psycho, but it is very strange that he's just like walking down the face of his way, just head turns. It's almost like he's, he senses his aura or something. He, he's not even crossing it in like a crosswalk. He's crossing diagonally. <laughs> it's, he's so he's, he's a strange person. Uh, and then Stephen Tobolowsky goes all in with like not blinking and uh, enunciating too much. Love Tobolowsky in everything, oh, yeah. but like, yeah, <laughs> this is the, the role probably he will take to his, like when he dies, it will be, they'll mention this. Like, Fortunately, <laughs> he seems okay with that. Yeah. Like yeah. he still likes this movie in this role. To be fair, it's not as prolific freaking actors in the world. Like he really feels like if you got a role that you need filled. He does a lot of TV though. Mm. I was just casually looking him up and realized he's on a show right now recurring. Like he, I knew he was on one day at a time. No, oh. I knew he was on that. Cause I watched one day at a time, mm. but he also has had a recurring role on some show called the loud house. Oh, yeah, I know the loud house. Like- yeah. Loud house is a, as a cartoon. Okay. My, my niece used to watch it. Well, actually my nephew more. Oh yeah. It. To save, voice of prince bug yeah it's actually pretty good the episodes ourselves he's on archer i know what that is but i don't watch it yeah apparently has a recurring role still on the goldbergs oh which i didn't know i mean yeah they fed the guys getting to work yeah i don't good know if it's maybe tv acting just like it's not you know he's like oh i have like, i can't retire i have to keep working because I just, i'm not made enough to safely retire yes but- he, he just doesn't get enough residuals for groundhog day yeah yeah the guy ironically <laughs> like oh, every time it's repeated i still don't get enough through those repeats, I guess. He didn't buy enough insurance on it. Yeah. Although I'm always like, you definitely have talked about it. One thing, I'm a giant Talking Heads fan. And also over here in the UK, obviously Radiohead, <laughs> one of the biggest bands in the last 30 years. I always wonder if Tobioski, does he sit and look at the Radiohead, you know, headlining Glastonbury and stuff and worldwide massive success. And it's just like, that's me. <laughs> that comes from me. People aren't aware. Like the story is that the movie... True Stories, David Murn movie. Hmm. He was making a thing based on sort of random stories that he had heard throughout you know, the world and stuff like that through newspapers, things like this. And he was going to work on it with Tobolowsky in the script stages. He was going to write it with him, which still seems strikes me as a very odd, like all the people. <laughs> Why is Stephen Tobolowsky and stuff? Well, he is a writer. Yeah. He writes short stories. But yeah, eventually, though, as they're talking about things. Tobolowski talked about the fact that he's kind of slightly psychic, basically. <laughs> like you can tune into like little bits and bobs and like you can kind of hear things that aren't there and stuff like that. And he always would describe it as like it's like tuning in a radio. Huh. And you know, you could you know, sit and do it as a parlor trick. You'd be like sit down and be able to tell you, like, you know, speak to the beyond and all this kind of stuff. He was in, you know, he'd be getting messages from here, there, and everywhere, and all this kind of stuff. And uh eventually he said he he just said he just doesn't want to do he kind of shut it off. He doesn't like doing it anymore. Hmm. But uh, as he tell David Byrne about it, he's just like, Oh, it kind of tuned in to my head like a radio. And David Byrne was like, Oh, okay, went away, went away. Didn't have Tobolowski write true stories with him, but then he wrote a talking head song called Radiohead, which was based on that story that Stephen Tobolowski told him. Nice. And then the band Radiohead 
took their name from that Talking Heads song. So yeah, Ned Ryerson is the Rosetta Stone, I guess, of the, <laughs> the cornerstone more of uh, of the band Radiohead. It's like you know that's not going to be reported on his death. That'd be the thing. I'll be out there, man. The yeah, know this. Uh, this is incredible to me. But it's like the inspiration of Radiohead died today. <laughs> you might know him as like Ned Ryerson. <laughs> yeah. Ugh.
I love the way he talks and the way he plays this too, because he has so much energy. You know, Phil. Hey, Phil. Phil. Phil Connors. Phil Connors. I thought that was you. It gets to a level of like it seems everything with Ned is almost like sociopathic. Yeah. Like he's. It's too much. It's even like later on he's he's getting pushed away and he's just like instead of taking the hint he comes back like. what is the matter with you? He's like a cat. <laughs> like- <laughs> you push it away and it just wants more attention. The kid doesn't care what attention it gets as long as it gets some. Yeah. Yeah. I think you almost need to be in order to sell things like yeah. insurance salesmen and door to door stuff. I could never do it. Especially in a little town because probably everyone has already seen him. Yeah. I think you almost need to have something a bit wrong with you <laughs> in order to like function <laughs> with that as your job because it's like any sane person would just be like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> this is, I know what a pain I am to everyone and I know that they don't want this, but I have to keep pursuing them like a dog with a bone. <laughs> it's a new Batman villain. The insurance salesman. <laughs> The Batman opened one of the, the gargoyles above Gotham to say, Bruce, Bruce, wait. Well, don't, don't tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. Yeah. Uh, but everything Bill Murray is doing, too, is just terrific. Like, it's just all, all the facial expressions, yeah. everything, oh, trying to yeah. take it all in. He's like, yeah, thanks for watching because he doesn't recognize this guy. But then when Ned takes his hat off, it's like Phil or Bill Murray looks at his head like that's going to answer who this guy is. Like, he's trying to show <laughs> him something. He's like. I don't know what's up there. <laughs> it's also too is like Ned doing that, like showing that he's a man who's very clearly now he's like in the deep stages of male patent baldness. Uh-huh. He's clearly like forty odd here. Yeah, and it's like he met, he knew him in school, like taking off, showing him the bald. Right? Head. Was he's he like, bald in high school? On. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> he's like going around. Yeah, the guy with the comb over <laughs> in high school. Like, <laughs> Phil might have remembered that. To be fair, like I'd be like, stick him out, and then any of the other crap he comes out with later. But like, he's it's freaking. Like, oh, it's the bald kid yeah <laughs> but i also just really love his reaction though of him like when he starts and phil's just like not a chance <laughs> like, i'm not even gonna humor being polite to you i'm just telling you i am not gonna remember who you are yeah he's not even gonna try to remember just not a chance no <laughs> i'm not even gonna think about it anymore i got places to be oh but uh oh it's just two of them is on fire yeah. in the scene because the reason the scene sticks out so much is because the two of them are doing such great work yes and then they uh, filmed they basically filmed the multiple iterations of this interaction all at once mm. was that like well how many days of shooting with this like, was it just literally like we got all this done in one day or was it i like- believe they would have filmed this well no they they would film each interaction on a certain day okay but the multiple versions of the scene mm. but then they'd come a different day and do it again because they had to match weather later yeah but they would film each of those versions like are we going to go with the clearer morning that we need clear versions and then they'd have a cloudy version and a I don't know how many times they actually did this, but they did each version each time mm. so that they had options. <laughs> it's an odd way to shoot. Yes, yeah. as well. That's, that's what we get this in these movies. It would become so convoluted of like, which I think there was one of the complaints in like, you know, let's spoil into the, the, the next episode, yeah. but with Eternal Sunshine, I think they had complaints of like, which, what, 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 what order are we doing things in now? Uh-huh. Like they had to get the hair color yeah, right, the costumes. Yeah. And then in that movie, they're filming with two cameras at a time, almost every scene. Yeah. Yeah. And so at this point, we'll be like, okay, so which one am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, which one of the loops am I in? And like, then, <laughs> yeah. And Bill Murray's method was basically, am I good Phil or bad Phil? Yeah. yeah. So he knew what mood to be in. To be fair to the Tobioski, I guess he's just like, oh, I'm the same every time. Yeah. I don't have to change. He's, he's <laughs> too much. I'm thinking about what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Ned Ryerson. 
Needle nose, Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Now I would interrupt here because Case Western High doesn't quite exist. Mm. Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland did run a sort of high school program in the 60s, mm. but it doesn't. I actually, even looking again now, this is, I wrote about it in my blog, day 302. But even looking again now, I couldn't confirm whether that program even exists anymore. <laughs> but I did take this in the blog to mean that Ned and Phil were from Cleveland, ah. which I believe Danny Rubin's script mentions Cleveland again when Phil goes to visit his mother. Mm. I guess, though, Ned the head. Yeah. Maybe he was bald back then. Oh, yeah. Because maybe that's why he was called Ned the head. He was already bald. So they called him Ned it the could head. Could have been like, yeah, he was, like, yeah, it was premature. To be fair, I think I started thinning the hair when I was like Sixteen huh. wasn't like one Stephen Tobielski level, bald, yeah, yeah. but like it, it, hit, it hit some people. So that could have been maybe he went from in the, you know his early years he was needle nose Ned, and then the hair went, and then he became Ned, Ned the head. So and then he had to like keep focus away from his head, and that's why he you know that's why he did the the whistling belly button trick for the talent show. It's like keep people not looking at the head. Oh, keep it down low. I have to look up what those because I was like, what, what is that? Now here, I got to show you something really quick. It's not Stephen Tobolowsky doing that, though. <laughs> it's like, no, it's Stephen Tobolowsky, how he looked in high school, basically. No, he is not bald at all. Oh. Actually, maybe he has that hair because he's covering his bald head. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, it could be. It's like a, almost like a wispy. I don't know. I don't know if I trust it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's not Ned. That's Stephen Tobolowsky. Ned could have been already bald. Yeah. Yeah. But do find out finally other people have claimed to. I had never... The, 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 this town show trick. What is this exactly? It was like I thought button. it was going to be a yeah, and I thought it was going to be much more impressive than. Oh it no, is. it's basically <laughs> just what, like, making your belly move in time to music. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like maybe it's a thing unique to him, and that actually would be impressive. That if yeah. somehow he was emitting sound from it, and it yeah, he like makes it whistle. That would be good. But then finally, I was like, no, it's like a bog standard trick that like loads of <laughs> people do. And it's not a trick. It's not impressive. Yep. <laughs> it's just stupid. It's like that actually tracks much more. For Ned and Rackerson. of course, then it still doesn't jog Phil's memory. So his other his other ones he brings up got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. <laughs> That's the line that he over enunciates. And I'm like, what is he doing? Uh, I mean, like I know that my, my dad has shingles Oof. in the last couple of years. And I know they're no joke. Yeah. Although to be fair to him, he was in his 70s at the time. So I started then having to look into like, because the shingles is chicken pox, yeah. basically. It's like a, so like at what point does it go from being chicken pox to being the shingles? Because you think in senior year of high school, it would still be called chicken pox. But I, I think it's that you all have had chicken yeah, pox. Yeah, you've had chicken pox as a kid and then it comes yeah, back. Yeah. So I wonder if he had like an oh, elementary school, got chicken pox senior year real bad, almost <laughs> didn't get into high school. But the, and then, yeah, hits him every time. It's like he had his shingles again at the end of college, I guess. And he's, of course, punctuating this with Bing and Bing again. Oh, everything. Oh, I'd see. He's such an annoying I, guy. I swear <laughs> you'd remember this guy if he went, if he was at your high school. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I didn't go to a full size actual high school with like hundreds of students in each grade. So maybe you'd get lost, but I, I don't know. If he was that annoying, like, I think you would be like, yeah, I would. You would almost remember trying to avoid him. <laughs> yeah, it's like wait, needle nose Ned, Ned the head. That, oh yeah, we always ran when you came near us. <laughs> again, like, those names don't Beating sound under the bleachers. Once. Like affectionate needle nose Ned. That sounds like a like the people used to call them that as an insult. <laughs> and, yeah, but he's now adopted. It's like no, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> it's like yeah. did you? It means they knew he existed. 
So yeah, it's good. True, true. Maybe that's what that's what warped that, it. Like that's just like, yeah, he just snapped. Yeah. <laughs> and new thing I noticed doing my notes was minor continuity here. We get the angle on Phil and Ned raises his hands to touch him. And when we cut back the Stephen Tobolowsky angle, he's just raising his hands to touch oh. him. That's mine. Yeah. But I, I hadn't noticed it before. Mm. Have you read in anything into the prominence of the the frames menswear in the back? Because like the only thing I could. No, it's just what was there. I kind of thought it might have been a thing of like, you know, a frame contains a trapped image of, you know, a trapped picture of a person. So Phil is, is, is trapped in with a frame within a frame. Maybe that was what they were going for or something. I, I mentioned um, Julia Banesh's uh, doctoral dissertation last episode of the week before. I don't remember. And she thought that this conversation takes place in front of the copy place was important. Ah, uh, oh, actually, yeah, that actually I'm makes like, way okay. more sense. <laughs> like, like, that's a, that's fine. <laughs> except I'm pretty sure the copy place existed. Mm. Frames existed. Like all of these places basically kept their names. That's why there's a Woodstock Jewelers in the background. Yeah, it's in yeah. Woodstock. I was thinking, I think now, like, yeah, it might have been more that you think, oh, you want to get the copy shop more in shot, make it more prominent. But then it might have been just the angled right. filmings. Like you can't really do that. I think you see it better in a later iteration, yeah. like day two yeah. or three. The weird thing I saw, I think it's frames in the background above its sign. It looks like they covered up part of the sign with like, paper squares or something mm. it looks very temporary whatever is going on up there and i'm like what did the sign say but it's not frames anymore so i don't know that was a uh, that was ned's insurance company uh, but it's it's not gone into <laughs> so he just hangs around out front in case anyone came looking for him actually in the script we do learn where ned's office is and it would sort of be in the pennsylvania hotel or right next to it because he sees Phil flying when he like when he jumps off the mm. roof. He flies past his oh. window in the script. So his office is over there. Then they try to it's follow. I don't know where he's going right now. Like, Phil, <laughs> I can hear the dying breaths of seeing Ned Ryerson coming after you. <laughs> You're going to need some insurance. <laughs> so the the last bit of this minute is then he goes with a more personal reminder: is that I dated your. It cuts off mid sentence, but I dated your sister, Mary Pat, a couple times. <laughs> he dated Phil's sister. <laughs> And Phil doesn't have a clue who this guy is. Again, fair. Burying the lead, though. I think that's the much more memorable thing. Is like, I dated your sister for a while. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> I think I wrote in my blog once, I'm like, maybe Mary Pat just really got around. Yep. And so Phil doesn't know any of her boyfriends because there were so many. Yeah. Yeah. She clearly didn't have. Um, I'm not sure Ned was a winner at the time. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So like, do we know what the age difference between Phil and his sister is? Is she older? Or is she younger? Or uh, No, I believe this is the only reference to her even in the original script. I would assume, because I can't imagine like a like a senior girl going out with like a younger Ned Ryerson. And like unless something's gone drastically wrong. Like it's maybe it was like, you know, maybe that was the allure he had was she's younger and he's the older guy. And that's why Phil told him not to or something. He was being the protective. Yeah. Until you told me not to anymore, which does fit. Yeah. But maybe Phil just said that to every guy. And so he doesn't remember them individually. They're all just that guy. He told not to date Mary Pat. <laughs> to be fair, maybe Ned was wearing a hat when he told him. Yeah. And he just didn't recognize him. It's like, you should change it to Ned the hat. <laughs> so we can remember this stuff. Yeah. Any other notes on this minute or Groundhog Day? No, no. I think that's uh you know, Groundhog Day, 
great movie, then they, you don't need me to pitch it to people. <laughs> like it's one of those ones like everyone knows is good. Yeah, or they're too young to have seen it yet. But we'll get say though that exit strategy uh, movie hadn't seen that prior. Mm. Enjoyed it very much. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's a that's a good one to recommend. And Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yeah, just it's, all it's got some problems, but it's entertaining. Even that is worst. I think was one was like I thought I could skip the sixth one. It's like no, the sixth one's so weird as well. Like it's it's awful, but it's also fascinating yeah. too. <laughs> like it's and then you get. Wes Craven's new nightmare comes after it, which kind of rewrites it into reality. Yeah. Quote unquote. New nightmare is just such a, that's just a great, like that's, it's so weird. Cause like, you know, scream felt so fresh. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, but you realize like, Oh, Wes Craven has been in this territory before. Like the, yeah, the, the, he did it a few years earlier. Yeah. And then, uh, you see things now, like even like this, you know, recent times, like the Matrix Resurrections. It's all the crazy meta stuff to do. It's like that's all Wes Craven's new nightmare, man. It's been done. It's been uh-huh. done a long time ago. But yeah, so the, the the that's the sweet bomb at the end after getting through five and six. Yep. <laughs> where you're like, oh, new nightmare is coming. No, it gets good again. Don't worry. Yep. Uh, and then the remake, just don't bother. This like I mean, yeah, the remake. It should have been better. Yeah. Like all of its parts are good. The thing is, it has great casting. Yeah. And Jack Earl Haley is Freddy. He's like, that's great. That's a, that's a great choice. <laughs> and then uh-huh. this like, man, wait, and you fall. It's like, if it wasn't such a dud that it just didn't have any kind of follow ups, like he could have been everything. You could have brought him back and done good stuff with him, but yeah. you know, never, never to be. Although we had like an Ozymandias Watchmen reference at the end of the, the last minute. Bringing it back with Jackie yep. O'Haley, Rorschach in the, the end of this one. Exactly, so. yeah. It's Watchmen Minute this week. <laughs> hey, I was on Watchmen Minute. Yeah, I was on Watchmen Minute. <laughs> talking about sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was on there talking about beans, as I recall. Nice. And my abject hatred of them. So <laughs> so if they wanted to hear you talk about other things, uh, I don't know, maybe you hate, you hate Batman and uh, Robin? <laughs> Batman and Robin's like it's working listeners here. You talk uh, about the affection for Batman and Robin, but it's it's notable like it's this one's a lot harder to get through to be honest. Like it's the the first three Mm -hmm. have such a genuine love for Batman and Robin is like there's fun. There's a lot of fun in there. We had a lot of fun recording. To be fair, I think the the show the the qual I hope the quality of the show has not gone down in the way that went down in the qualities of the film. But I think this one is (laughs) it's been a much more of a okay <laughs> in terms of talking about what's happening on screen because yeah it's like oh now what's happening what do we yeah. have to talk about today? i think we are <laughs> covering mask of the phantasm next Ooh. which is my favorite much like getting to the west craven's new nightmares like just get through the end of batman and robin you get to talk about mask of the phantasm next Although that's going to be weird because that's switching over into animation. I was like, we've never, we never talked about animation yeah. minute by minute before. I was like, can we do that? I don't know. It's going to be like a whole new thing for us. People have, but yeah, it's a different kind of coverage because are you talking about actors? Yeah, so, I guess we're talking about everything, know. but it's... You talk about the voice work here and then, but I guess it's you, different. That's the thing that you always... That was always the way of thinking, though, before we got into doing minute by minute podcasting. I was like, could we talk about every minute of this? And then you'd find out like, oh, yes, you can. Yeah. You and can. so maybe I like I don't want to jinx myself, but like maybe can we talk about every minute of Mask of the Phantasm? And I'm finding like, oh no, it's very very easy. You can you can definitely talk about that movie minute by minute. This will be coming some point down the line, and you can find it on all good podcatchers, yeah. and we're on all the social medias, as far as I'm aware. Anyway, yep. <laughs> just uh, under just yeah, type in Batman, it you'll find us. And if you want to hear me review Halloween Kills, Michael Myers minute, my first show. Now I'm what 13 shows later. 12 shows later, I forget. I don't follow one franchise, so I jump around. But thank you for listening to this one. 
The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. You can follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. You can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. Through time. What is wrong in the end which never comes? Or which comes again and again? Laugh, laugh, laughing. Like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is. Man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. Particles unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day is not a documentary.